0: X-Z-B-N-dot-net.
2: Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology's Science, and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests. And in that vein, people have asked about different occupations, different areas of life that have highly interested them. People wanna know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name when you're using nameology science. So how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts uh, in such a way that everybody can benefit? Our expert tonight is Paige Olson. Growing up, Paige felt unhappy and misunderstood in the formal classroom setting. While she loved to learn, the way things were taught created a difficult learning environment for her. Therefore, when she had her children, the number one interest was to seek to understand them through asking questions like why this or why that, anything that started with a why. Both of her children are very different, like so many of our children are, with different temperaments and to some extent, different interests. Paige never thought of seeking happy children. What she saw, were children who are engaged in pursuing things that interested them. The results were engaged, happy children. She has since helped numerous other families, sharing how to support and facilitate their children's journeys of self-discovery and their individual paths toward finding their own interests and strengths. Along the way, Paige discovered her own strength lie in the being able to pick up cues from the children to know who they were at a deeper level. Today, Paige is sought after keynotes speaker and a mentor to many parents. She co-authored a book with Brian Tracy, and it's an Amazon best-selling book in three different categories called Success Manifesto. Paige's name indicates that she's here to learn how to use her power of influence in the most productive way. So it's no surprise that she is listed as one of the 2017 top 100 authority persons in Influence Magazine. She tends to be a workaholic, according to her name, yet makes a great couch potato when she wants to relax. Her name indicates that she's a powerhouse when it comes to helping other people through change. She can adapt easily to new situations and is a role model for others in doing so. Paige has a generous heart and over delivers on her promises and commitments because of her willingness to work combined with her generosity of spirit. She has learned how to nurture others and how to build self-confidence in others. Besides being very practical, her own name indicates that she needed to leave home to find herself prying to being able to return home and then hold her own. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show page. Thank you for having me, Shauna. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I am, too, because you're talking about subjects that we all want to know. I mean, there are so many parents out there, and we all want what's best for our children in one way or another. And so many of us aren't trained to be parents because you don't take a class in parenting when you're going through school, you know. So, (laughs) So since your name indicated that you needed to leave home to find yourself, we're curious, how did that show up in your own life?
3: Unfortunately, it showed showed up in a pretty sad way. Um, I was, excuse me, I was, I I went away to college for one year after high school. Um, It wasn't a happy time. It's where I had a professor tell me, you're smart, but there's something wrong with you. And even though I went to get some help, everybody was like, there's nothing wrong with you in what I was asking for. And at the time, I didn't know that I had Um, a different way of learning. I I still didn't know that. So when I came back home, I became seeking for what I didn't have in life. I became engaged to another young gentleman and was married at 19 and left home. But unfortunately, when I informed my mother that I was engaged, it was not a very happy conversation. It was Basically, I walked out the door, and for the next seven years, I had no contact with my family except for when I found out my grandmother passed. So that's kind oh, of the, the, the story of, yeah, I was truly on my own and, unfortunately, in an abusive relationship as well in marriage. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a tough time.
2: You know, I wonder if you would have known that your, that your name said that you le- needed to leave home to find yourself, and then you'd learn how to hold your own, if you would have done it differently.
3: Uh, you know, I, I, I would like to say yes, but because there were other factors in my life, I basically grew up with a father that was uh, in, inappropriate when I was little. Um, ended up in a bad divorce between my parents where I was blamed for it um, when I was Eleven, twelve, and that caused issues. And so I was looking for a father. I was looking for that love that I didn't have, uh, and I didn't understand those things. So I think okay. if that hadn't also been a part of my life, okay. things would have been. We're going to have
2: to. We're going to need to interrupt for just a minute. We need-
4: is it science or is it magic once a magical thing has been scientifically proven is it no longer magic or is magic simply the science of tomorrow join me guilda on the science of magic a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. By triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview the share thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website, free of charge at thescienceofmagic.net.
2: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Paige Olson, whose website is theolsonmethod.com, and you spell Olson O L S O N. So it's theolsonmethod.com. You know, you had such a rough childhood page and it's such a rough beginning with a lot of challenges you know it's just fascinating how you turn that around to help other people create such happy children you know that it's just so it's so different from what you were able to have so uh, my question is when did you decide to share your gift with the world and when you did so you were risking another form of rejection so what caused you to want to push through that and share your gift anyway
3: was well, kind of an, another interesting story when after my children were born uh, and and uh, an incident happened with my son who was my firstborn and, and it became that preschool wasn't the right place for him not I mean he was great until that he tried to be forced to do ABCs and 123s before his brain was mentally ready so I decided to homeschool and through that I became kind of a crusader for kids if you will and, and in other words so that my kids could have experiences that I wanted them to have, I was provided the opportunity to be able to reach out and do stuff for other homeschoolers or do stuff in the horse community because my daughter was uh, interested in horses. And I just stepped up and became the parent that made that possible for other children. And, and I, I wanted to break the cycle. I, I just really have a compassion And that overrode everything else. I just wanted my children to not experience what I experienced, and I wanted them to have a better life.
2: Yeah. You know, I always think that the vast majority of parents want their kids to have a better life, but I know that many teachers will say that parents come in on parent conferences and say, hey, that was good enough for me. Why isn't it good enough for my kid? Right. You know, and and that I always think is sad. Um, you know, you've stated that more than 60% of parents place happiness above anything else they desire for their children. But what one shows on the outside doesn't always match what one feels on the inside. So how does a parent figure out how their child really feels?
3: Be- behavior. I mean, I really believe, I, working with horses before I had kids is where I started learning how to be a parent. And and this is before natural horsemanship became a big thing. This was back in the mid-80s, little late 1980s. And I I started noticing the horse's behaviors, and all the behaviors were different, and on any given day that I was there, they were different. And I started really paying attention to that bond between myself and whatever horse I might be riding. I didn't ride a horse. I rode a bunch of different ones. And I started seeing how they were acting and being as a window into two things. One, their temperament, who they were at their core. And two, how they were feeling in the moment, from moment to moment. And I started to learn their language. And in doing that, our connection and the happiness that I got to experience, and I could tell the horses experienced while we were together, was profoundly different and much greater. So when I had my children... I took that to my children. And I instead of seeking to make them happy or want them to be happy, ha, ha, laugh, laugh, I really looked at their behavior. And their behavior gave me a window, moment to moment, of how they were feeling and who they were. So if my son was sucking his thumb, he was a thumb sucker. I did some research. I mean, I didn't just say, oh, I don't know. I said, why is he doing this? Let's do some research. Let's figure this out. And I... I learned he's telling me that right now he's feeling stressed out. Whatever the situation is, whether he's tired or he's hungry or we're at the zoo, he has a great time, too many people around. But he was managing himself. And if I didn't say anything and just let him manage himself, I could use that to see how he's doing as the day went on. It, and, and my daughter as well, I mean, she bit And I knew that then there were certain things I wasn't going to put her in, certain places I wasn't going to put her because she could get overwhelmed too easily and too fast. And I would watch my kids. And so till their mental maturity got to a point that it was no longer an issue because they could manage themselves. And so through that... Go ahead.
2: No, through
3: that. So by paying attention to those things, I noticed that they... They grew in ways where they were just really easy kids. I mean, I, they seemed happy. They weren't depressed. They didn't, they didn't get anxious. They didn't, I mean, all those things that we put as negative feelings, I didn't find that in them at all. And, and my greatest reward was this when my children were young adults, and I asked them, how do you feel about your childhood? They said it was a wonderful adventure. And so I can look back now and say, well, what, what did I do? How did I do it? How can I share what I did? Because they're perceiving their childhood as being this great adventure. And they're living the dream. They're happy. They're well um, connected to themselves and their communities um, and, and really enjoying life.
2: So, So out of all of your experience, and I know you've helped just hundreds of parents being able to duplicate so that they're being successful as parents. What three things can parents start doing today that would make a difference in their child's long-term future happiness?
3: Well, number one and I think most important is you gotta slow down. You gotta stop letting the, the social influences and all this external stuff dictate to you and cause you to fear the future for your child. And, and you have to slow down and you have to start observing who your child is and, how they're re- and, and that's by how they're responding to things. And the only way you can do that is to just cut away all of this extra stuff that they don't need. They don't need to be on soccer teams at 3 and 4 and 5. They don't need, you know, whatever. They, unless they love the game, they, they don't need those things so that you can get to know your child and your child can get to know themselves. So that's number one. The second thing is, is experiences. Go out, jump in mud puddles. Go to the library and look at nonfiction books, pictures. Talk about things. Experience things. Take the opportunities in your neighborhood, in, in your area to, to just, and for them, it can be walking around in the falling rain. And number three is, again, it comes back to you've got to give them downtime. So not only do they need to be less less stuff so you can pay attention to them and you can observe them, they need downtime. They need the privilege of being bored. They need the privilege of, of um, plastic gutters and water and sand and, and just and leaves and stuff so that they can just experiment with the information that's coming in. But we need to slow their lives down.
2: You know, I love hearing that, Paige. As a school teacher, for as many years as I was a school teacher, I used to watch how kids were so overbooked, they didn't have time for homework, they were getting stressed, um, and And I know some families in the area where I was teaching came up with the rule that you could only participate in two activities at any one time. So maybe Girl Scouts and a sport or ballet and something. Um, But they would limit it to two. And there were some times when they'd say, hey, this quarter we're only going to do one. So I think that slowing down and having time to get bored and having to find your own entertainment and not have it electronic. Um, Is quite a challenge for them, but that's how we learn and grow. Um, there's a favorite saying in in my household that says, "Only boring people get bored." You know, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, uh, you "Gotta find something." Um, well, yeah. So uh, I, anyway, I, children today grow up so incredibly fast. They're exposed to television, to radio, to mass media of all sorts. What can we do to make sure our children get a real childhood so that they can really discover who they are and, and where their own interests are?
3: Right. Well, First of all, I'd like to say this. I think we have tricked ourselves into believing that they're growing up incredibly fast. But okay. the, reality, the reality is in their minds, their emotional development, we're forcing them to or, or, or allowing them to see things that they're not ready to see. And so they're not really growing up. It's like when you teach math. If in the foundation of teaching there's holes, right, when you take the next step, right. the child fails because there's holes. And I think what we're seeing in the emotional development of our child is holes that have occurred in the first two years of life in their emotional development because they're seeing things, being involved in things, allowed to do things that they're not ready for. And so if you don't even know who you are and you haven't even connected to you, you can't connect to the rest of the world and you can't connect to other people. And so we're, we're lying to ourselves because what they're doing is on the outside, we might think they're growing up faster, but as they get older and they get uh, stressed and anxious and suicidal and on drugs and on alcohol and stuff, they're showing us that that wasn't the truth. And there's all these holes that we have to now go back, if they're willing, and fill so that they can find themselves and find the right place to be and the right environment to be in and who they are and how to ask those questions and how to make those decisions. They don't know how. They're totally disconnected. And so when we get to entertainment versus engagement, you know, in an entertainment, um, it makes us appear to be happy because we're laughing, but we're not. We're, we're doing something where somebody else has put the boundaries and parameters on what we're doing. Or we're not being allowed a child that is handed something in the store because a mom doesn't want to allow them to have their emotions. We're basically saying, don't have emotions. Here, be happy. And so now the child is being, the privilege of them getting to learn who they are and how they deal with that situation has been taken away from them. And so we're perpetuating this problem as they grow up. And so when they're upset, what do they reach for? They reach to be entertained. They don't want to have to deal, they don't know how to deal with the pain and anxious and anxiety that comes with things that aren't working out for us or when we don't get our way.
2: Uh, You mean there's times when we don't get our own way? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Darn. Yeah. You know, you got to start at the bottom and work your way up. You got (laughs) to. Yeah. (laughs) Shucks. Surprise, surprise. Welcome to the real world. You know, and, and my thing is, is those things really haven't changed. It's just that we have kids that are angry about it today. And they have expectations that they shouldn't have to. But that is what has been, um, they've been taught.
2: Yeah, it's the core of entitlement. Yes, it 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 is. So many people have entitlement issues. Anyway, we need to take another break. Um, Stay tuned to the Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show. This show is dedicated to knowing how to relate to and really know your children and how to help them stay engaged and help them learn how to do that for themselves. After the break, we'll find out more about Paige Olson's amazing ability to figure out children. Her website is theolsonmethod.com, and it is the, the word the is part of it. And Olson is spelled O-L-S-O-N, and then method, M-E-T-H-O-D.com. Very um, engaging website if you wanna go. You can pick up a lot of good ideas just right there. Again, we're on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Stay tuned.
4: Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access to the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment galactic shamanism art of the ancients key to tomorrow is an upcoming series of leading edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition embrace the magic empower your life study galactic shamanism at findyourpathhome.com
2: O L S O N. Paige, before the break when we had to go take a break, we were talking about how kids, you know, needed a real childhood and to slow down. And they didn't have to be so engaged or overscheduled because that didn't give them the downtime what do you find is the advantage of downtime for kids why do kids need that
3: my what i found in the advantage of downtime is that that let's say they went out and had an experience and then they came home and they had time to look at a book that they we'd gone to the library for so, for example, let's say we went to the locks. We have government locks here in Seattle, and we took a day, and we went to the locks, and we went to the museum, and we came home, and there was a wonderful book about locks, the whole history of locks uh, for children written by, I can't remember the last name, but last name is Gibbons. I don't remember her first name. It's marvelous. So they have time to look at that, and then we got out the plastic gutters and the, and the, the hose and sand and big chunks of wood or c- concrete blocks, and they went outside. And now they have time to engage, to ask questions, to experiment. What happens when I do this? What happens do I do that? You know, if I use cardboard for my lock skates and I raise and lower them, how long does it last? Maybe I should use wood instead. I mean, these are things that we take for granted that kids don't know. They don't know that cardboard's going to get soggy and it's not going to work. They don't. And so you help them and you allow them the privilege to find out. And maybe one of them kind of has a little temper tantrum because it's not working. And you you help them through that because now they're saying they have an emotion of something didn't work that they thought that should. And you need to help them through that by saying by supporting them and saying, I'm so sorry that didn't work. Is there something else we can find? And you go wrestle up some other stuff. And you and you sail boats down, and you and you you do, and boats can be either plastic boats or trees. I mean, little branch limbs or or leaves or whatever. But they get this opportunity and to watch it grow, and the questions that they start ansi- asking, and and all of a sudden it kind of comes like one of those things with the balls, and they're they've got this huge thing going on. And what they're doing is they're learning things that we take for granted because, remember, their brains are in the same place ours was when we were born and our ancestors were. They don't know anything, but to have the privilege to ask those questions that we've already asked and already know so that they can experiment with it and they can learn it because it's something that in the moment for that day, for that time, they're interested in. What they'll discover that may have, in the end, nothing to do with the locks Is incredible and they're thrilled they've done this investigative stuff and at the end of the day they'll just pour out all this stuff that they just learned and did you know and and wow we found this and it was so much fun and then we did and their life now they're happy from the inside out
2: Wow how wonderful to be happy from the inside out I think a (laughs) lot of adults have forgotten what that feels like Please talk to us about your book that you co-authored with Brian Tracy called Success Manifesto. What's that about, and what's the benefit of reading it? What do we gain from reading it?
3: My chapter is called the, "A Wonderful Adventure." Again, that was what my children told their their life, their youth was, their young years. And when we, it's it's basically the story of a very difficult decision that my husband and I needed to make. When, before our children were born, we had agreed to move into his family home, the home he had spent most of his early years in. Uh, he'd recently lost his father, and we were asked to move into the home, and I agreed. And it was in an upper-middle-class neighborhood, you know, with a fenced backyard, big lot, a place for the kids to play, and, and that was great. I, on the other hand, was raised on acreage and was used to going to the creek in the backyard but i thought we can make this work and at the time i actually had a lot of medical challenges that made this environment better anyway as a mom and so but but we used the backyard and we and we played and then one evening my kids and this this is the story they they my daughter was 4 my son was 6 and they said you know what i want to chop down trees and dig holes and we want horses to live with us and i looked at my husband and i said Hmm, and we talked about it. Now, our, and so it's about this, how, what, we, what were we going to do? Our children were asking us, re- making a request of us, not a demand, not a requirement, a request of us. They were telling us the kind of childhood that they, they wanted and, and probably needed, if you knew their names, probably needed to be able to find themselves and learn about themselves. And we knew not to – my husband would not have to move his job or change his job in any way to be able to move 15 miles further east to be able to give them this opportunity. And what we did is we decided to do that for them. We decided to throw away the comforts, the security, all those kinds of things, and we actually bought a piece of land that was a mess. And together – and this is another thing – Kids and parents together should be doing activities as families, not as chores, not as I'll pay you for it, but together as a family we cleaned up the property and ultimately built a house. And the kids were involved in every step of the way, age appropriately, obviously, but they were really part of it. As a matter of fact, our lead carpenter told some of the other guys that weren't dealing with them because we lived in a trailer on the property, if you don't get along with the kids, and you don't like them, you're gone. It's just, it was just one of those things. It's a, they're part of this adventure. They're part of this. And so that's what the story's about. And then once we moved into the trailer, there were some other things that my children showed me. My children really taught me how to parent them. I didn't come in and say, I'm going to do this. But they taught me how, what they needed from me, each one individually individually what they needed from me they didn't have individual bedrooms in the trailer but we created them out of uh, pegboard you know two foot by two foot pieces of pegboard and and sheets from the ceiling and the interesting thing was is they never closed them but it gave them a safe place to express themselves you know that's then there's a couple other things in the book that I talk about it specifically that I learned from them
2: You know, it's interesting to say that you learned from your kids because I'll never forget the day that that my two kids, very, very young, were in the bathtub, and it was time for them to get out. And it was bubble bath, and my son said he wanted to duck his head. And I thought, this kid is so willful, he's going to duck his head no matter what I say. And then it's going to take longer, and he's going to cry when I go to get the soap out of his hair and whatever. And I said to him, you know, if you choose to duck your head, that means I'm going to have to put your head underneath the faucet to rinse out the soap that you're going to get in your hair. And, you know, sometimes the soap, if you open your eyes, because they were already swimmers, I'd started them at six months old. I said, sometimes when you open your eyes underwater like you do in the pool, when it's soap in the water, it can burn your eyes. So just know that if you choose to duck your head we're gonna to have to get, you know, your head underneath the faucet and your eyes couldn't be hurt. And so he went ahead and ducked his head. And when he got done ducking his head, I said, So how was that? And he said, I chose not to open my eyes. And then without having a fit for the very first time, he willingly put his head under the faucet so I could get the, you know, the soap out. And I thought, that's it. My kids need to know. What choices they have, and then to make their own decisions, even at this young age.
3: Yeah, I, I, that's so true. I, I, I'll tell you another story along those lines. So when my kids were very, very young, there were two. My daughter was not quite two, and my son was four. We remodeled the bathroom together, uh, and they had a ball. They did everything. They, they I mean, helped demolition. It helped everything. Picked the floor, everything. And and about a year later, the front we had springs come up in the front yard. And so I had to hire somebody to do it. My son was really upset and in tears. And this is a very shy boy, um, really clung to mom. Um, it still is kind of a back-of-the-room person, get, kind of getting the lay of the land before he warms up and stuff. And he um, was really upset. Mom, we do everything ourselves. We're a team. And so I said, well, this time you have to understand I don't know how to do this. And so my choice, and it was choices, I had to make a choice, and my choice was is to call somebody in, so this goes back to choices. so then he had a choice that he got to make and as soon as the guy first guy came to the door, he ran this is, he ran past ran past me instead of going to hide, he ran past me, and he chose to answer the door and then he chose to tell this guy's knees, ask him if he was child friendly, and then, in a very <laughs> masculine stance with his his fist on his waist, he says. And my mom's not going to hire you if you're not kid friendly. <laughs> so it's the same kind of choices that your son made that went uh, totally against who he was and how he normally acted, right? And he's in front of me answering the door, talking to this guy's knees and making. It's very, very clear that mom wasn't going to hire him. And when I actually did hire this guy, and on the day he came to do the work, it was pouring down rain, and my son was out there in his rain jacket all day long working alongside this guy. So it so just I, goes to show you. Yeah, when you give I, them choices, it's amazing. You get to know them better. You got to know your son. I got to know my son in a way I would have never gotten to know them. And they got to know themselves if they hadn't been given the opportunity.
2: You know, it's funny when you say they're at, your child was out there in the rain all day. We always called it just liquid sunshine. It was still sunshine. Yeah. It was just wet sunshine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we we actually called it liquid sunshine as well. I mean, Pacific Northwest, it's liquid sunshine.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Very succinctly, because we don't have a lot of time left in this segment. Right. I want to know. Are more children being babysat with technology where their interaction with their parents is being minimized? And how does that affect relationships?
3: And the first answer is absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you see it. I see it all the time in the store. As soon as they start having a temper tantrum, here, play this game. As soon as they can't, wait, patiently play this game. And, and part of the problem is, is parents bring the technology to entertain instead of a, a satchel of some sort with, with toys that the child can entertain themselves with that are more open-ended. And so what happens to the relationship is is children, children give their parents permission to raise them. Let me say that again. Children give their parents permission to raise them by the way the parent treats the child. So if you're giving them stuff to entertain them with, you're not connecting with them, they don't see you as somebody they can look up to. And so there's no connection there, and so they don't see you as somebody that is going to be there, that they can trust. Under any circumstances, they can bring something to you, and you will be there for them emotionally. You don't have to agree with them, but you will be there for them emotionally. And that connection is not being made.
2: And And so they look to their peers,
3: they look to their peers, they look to somebody else, and they don't look to you.
2: Okay, we need to take our last break and that what you just said was really important to establish that trust so that the kids do look to the parent stay tuned to know the name know the genius in you on xzbn.net and knowthename.com after the break we'll find out what Paige olson has in her name that has assisted her that you might have in your name as well
4: under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwelda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family.
1: to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
6: Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time?
4: Is truth. Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now, as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true, but rather, how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio, a syndicated, internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic, to uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net.
2: back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Paige Olson, whose website is The Olson Method. Again, Olson is spelled O-L-S-O-N. She's taken her skills to a level where she's able to recognize what's really happening with a child and uses that knowledge to assist parents in becoming more attuned to who their children are and how to better connect with them. Paige, you mentor parents. But most people would coach or say something else. So how do you look at mentoring differently than most people would look at, say, coaching?
3: Well, the reason I say mentoring is when we're dealing with people, when we're dealing with emotions and feelings, I firmly believe it's really important to start with where the parent is. In other words, how is the parent feeling? What is the parent's number one frustration problem challenge whatever they want to call it in the moment and we deal with that rather than saying I have this coaching program for you and I'm going I want you to start here and I I want you to go here and then I want you to go here and then I want you to go here And, and, and I just our lives we don't we don't even our brains don't even develop linearly they develop in a cycle it's a it's a ebb and flow cycle so I want the parent to know I'm listening to them and I care about them so I'm going to meet them where they are right now and then I'm going to help them go to where they need to be and I can't do that by being a coach I can only do that in my mind by being a mentor and meeting them where they are
2: okay so how does one create an environment where one's children can be happy
3: Well, the first thing is you got to take all the electronics out of their room. (laughs) Number one, and number two, you need to minimize the electronics in the home. Number three, you really need to be the person that becomes the barrier between them and the negative influences in the world. You need to be their number one connection, and and you need to. So you need to be the one that they desire to go to when they have a problem. When when they're in tears and they don't know where to turn. For example, when my daughter was up, she was about 14, 15, and she was up at a um, training for becoming a leader for outdoor rescue, search and rescue. And she had a problem with maps, and she was in tears. And everybody there knew how to do the maps. She called me. I didn't know how to do what she was doing. She called me in tears. And what she was looking for, and she talked, tears flowed for like, and I just listened but what she was looking for, and she didn't even know it at the time, she was looking for somebody that understood how she worked, how her brain worked well enough that I could help her understand what the problem was. And it had nothing to do with what she was doing and everything to do with the question she was asking. It was a series of mathematical equations she had to use, and she was asking herself why. And instead of saying, oh, I just need to do this to find this and this to find this and this, so I, I helped her turn her brain thought pattern to what she needed it to be and she called me back half an hour later happy and laughing everything worked so they need to connect with you and the only way you can do that is get rid of all that external stuff and be present with them do stuff with them play you know games with them have home depot be your favorite toy store
2: <laughs> i've never thought yeah. of home depot as a toy store but i certainly oh. do uh shop up their planning. So, I've read that 80% of working parents do not enjoy their jobs. Then there's some parents who have incredibly stressful jobs even if they love them, and others who would not, you know, would rather not be working at all. Do children pick up on the stress and how does it affect them?
3: Children do pick up on the stress some more than others. So, temperament again there are nine parts to our temperaments. And the research was done back in the 60s. Um, and it's not theory, it was actually people based research, um, the New York Longitudinal Study, and, and their nine points. And so some people um, actually are much more tuned into their environments than others. So some can be in chaos and do okay, and some can't. Um, and mine are opposite one can and one, the other one can. Um, and so uh, you need to be aware of that so that you can provide them. Um, what they need and if you find that they're not doing well then you need to remove them not ask a question and 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 seek all this other stuff know your child well enough that you can do what's right for your child
2: yeah and that's so important what's the difference between the pursuit of happiness and the happiness of pursuit
3: okay everybody wants to pursue happiness i mean even the um Declaration of Independence tells us we have a right to the pursuit of happiness.
2: right it But ends. happiness
3: yeah, it, it, it's the right to um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or something. And the problem is is happiness is a feeling, it's an emotion. How do you find it? How do you find that emotion? It's joy, it's laughter. Yeah, that's the outside. But that's not the inside and the inside. Happiness isn't happy. Look, if, if you, I, I believe that all of us, when we're born, are meant to be something. We have a purpose. And a lot of times, because we fail to give our child the childhood they need, bumping into stuff and, and getting to know all sorts of stuff and figuring out what interests them, because we fail them in doing that, they don't bump into something that interests them perseverance and self-motivation is, is natural and normal for any age when you're doing something you love, something you're interested in, something you're passionate about. And, and it might only be for half a day or it could be for a lifetime. But that happiness is messy and it's frustrating. And it's not always looking on the outside as happiness, but the end result is just this incredible bond to self and this incredible drive to want to be successful. I had this young girl who has 300, it seemed like, different diagnoses uh, that came to the fair with draft horses with us this year. And her mom at the end of the weekend said, I've never seen her happy, 12 years old, and she struggled and all this kind of stuff, and here she is with these draft horses. She was on constant movement unless she was with the horses. And she kneeled for 20 minutes to try and braid the front hair on a horse. And she tried it over and over and over. And she never lost her temper. And she never got frustrated. She was open to suggestions. She was open to people showing her stuff. And she tried and tried and then she, until she got successful. And her parents were floored. They'd never seen that because she'd never bumped into something that she was interested in. She'd never had the opportunity to engage in something that took her complete interest. And so all the rest of every, all the other frustrations she had in her life fell away. And it was like, she needs, her parents said, she needs to be doing this. And I'm like, you're right, because this is where, no matter how frustrating or how much time, this is where she finds internal happiness and peace.
2: You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if all children could find that? I I remember so clearly when I was working in San Antonio as a teacher, as a team of one of five teachers and we shared all the same kids and we decided to drive them ourselves cause it was cheaper than a bus um, right. to the Houston space center. And so we split up the teachers and the kids on all these vans cause it was just ended up less expensive. We had to raise less money. And on the way there, we were all talking about what we were gonna see, but on the way back, here's this three and a half hour ride. And on the way back, it dawned on me that my eighth graders didn't have a clue what they were good at. And so one at a time I put them in the front seat of the van with me and we talked about things that I had observed that they were good at. And then, and we asked questions, you know, like, what do you enjoy doing? What do what would you do if you could do anything for a day, you know, whatever. And by the time that that van, our van got back to the school the kids were just like hyper almost because they were so excited because they had found what they loved to do just by sharing different things and having them pointed out where their talents were. And I thought, how sad. Our eighth graders don't know what they're good at, and they're already 13 and 14 years old.
3: Yeah, What a gift you gave them, though. I mean, what an incredible gift. And the saddest part is, is before the age of five, kids know this. It's just they're either told they can't, or it's not going to make the money because somebody decided it wasn't going to make the money, or um, they uh, the parents weren't gonna said well we're not going to do that, or, or for, for whatever reason they get the idea that that's not going to be a possibility in their lives.
2: See so that is They end is up so doing sad. something
3: they don't want to do.
2: Yeah, that's incredibly sad. And then a lot of us like teaching like to do something that we love to do that has no financial rewards in it, you know. Um, Anyway, thank you so much for spending your time with us and sharing your insights page. It was just a delight to have you on the show. Please be prepared and surprised, and you'll be when you experience Paige's work. Her website again is www.theolsonmethod.com. Again, Olson is spelled O-L-S-O-N. Paige Olson's name indicates that she excels at using her influence. This is found in the letter combination of P followed by an A. If your name has the consonant cluster P-A, you too are constantly learning how to use your influence in new ways, and you too have this ability. Do you want to know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, host of the radio show Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on XZBN.net radio and XZone radio station and on knowthename.com. Tune in to hear the fascinating ways that other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. In each upcoming show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. For all days and times of Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, go to xzbn.net and check out our broadcast schedule. If you wish to know more on how to read a person's name or about your own name, and how you can discover your own innate genius, visit the website knowthename.com and give yourself the gift of a session to find out what your name says about you and how knowing what your name means can help you live to your best and highest. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth signing off.